Hello, everybody. Hallelujah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Come on in. Give me just a second here. Just finalizing. There we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Thursday's evening message. I am so glad that you guys are here. Um, we've had about a month off. And so I am excited to be back. Um, I'm Cynthia Green, in case this is your first time joining us. So welcome to Thursday's Evening Message. Uh, we meet here every second and fourth Thursday of each month. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So listen, I pray that all is well with everyone, uh, with you, your family, your household. Praying that you guys are keeping the message of Jesus Christ as the center of your life and the center of your household. Amen. Hallelujah. So uh, let's see here. Let's go ahead. Um, thank God for his goodness. Let's go ahead and let's start off with a, a short word of prayer. And then what we're going to do is just dive right in. Amen. Father God, our Lord, our Savior, thank you for your goodness and your grace and your loving kindness and your mercy. I thank you, Lord God, for another opportunity to share your message um, with the listeners and the hearers that are, are tuning in with us tonight and that will tune in uh, to listen to um, the recorded message as well. Hallelujah. We pray in Jesus' name that you would open up the eyes of their heart and the their ears so that they will hear what you have to say to them from this message individually. Hallelujah. I ask, dear God, that you would speak through me, think through me as I submit myself to you. None of me, absolutely all of you, we welcome your presence here. We're listening, we're hearing all these things we ask in our precious Savior's name, Jesus, amen. Amen, everybody, hallelujah. So, um, when we left off, uh, we were, we've been in a series that we uh, titled, Tying It All Together. And tonight we're going to finalize that series. Amen. So what we're going to do is just take a brief recap on what's leading us up to the finale. So, so far in the series, we started off talking about who is God? Amen. Who is God? Where did he come from? And if you haven't listened to these previous uh uh, episodes in the series, please go back and listen to them. Uh, um, tying it all together. We then talked about uh, who was Lucifer and how he became Satan as he is known today or Beelzebub. He has many names. We discussed how, what was God's plan or purpose for man, for creation? What is it that he is doing with us? Amen. What was his plan? And, and we and we discovered that 
even before the beginning of time, even before the first creation was made, that he put together an awesome plan. And his plan, the results of his plan is to bring a chosen people for himself that he could spend eternity with as a family, as a family of God uh, that would serve him throughout all eternity. That's his ultimate goal. And he created a plan before the beginning of time to bring that goal into fruition. Amen. We then talked about in our last session how the Old Testament, how the Old Covenants, the law, they all point to the New Testament, the New Covenant of grace. They point to Jesus Christ. Everything in the Old Testament is relatively earthly, earthly uh, examples or earthly points of view pointing to a more a higher realm, which is the spiritual, the supernatural, amen. So tonight, uh, we will close this series with looking at God's ultimate plan of salvation. So remember, his goal has always been to bring together a people that will worship him throughout eternity, a people who would respond to his love by trusting him and by relying on him completely. Amen. So the definition of salvation, when I did a Google search, says it's preservation or deliverance from harm, ruin, or loss preservation or deliverance from harm, ruin, or loss. Now we know that as a result of man's fall in the garden of Eden, that we as humans, we need deliverance from the harmful state uh, our original parents left us in. God loves mankind so much that rather than wipe out mankind after the fall of Adam and Eve, and in order to fulfill his purpose, his goal of having a family for himself, what he did is he included in his plan, because God knows all things, amen? So he knew that Adam and Eve would miss the mark. So he created a plan that included a way to reconcile man's relationship between uh, ourselves, and him, God Almighty, our creator, okay? So he had a alternate plan put in for when the failure happened, praise God. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he wants that family, hallelujah. Now here's the good news. God's plan of salvation is very simple. It's quite simple, but yet due to wrong, thinking, wrong teaching, uh, religious practices, we have made God's plan of salvation tedious, difficult, and challenging. 
So let's, we're going to go ahead and turn to Romans, the 10th chapter tonight. And much of our teaching tonight is going to be coming from Romans, the 10th chapter. Amen. So go ahead and turn there. And we're going to start at the first verse. Now, Paul, who is the writer of Romans, he starts this chapter in Romans concerned that Israel has reduced herself to religion. And another word for religion is self-preservation, trying to do things to achieve your own self-preservation. Amen? Religious practices, trying to achieve something. Religion meaning they haven't, uh, Paul, Paul was saying that the children of Israel, uh, they had an enthusiasm for God. They were excited about God, but they were serving him in their own way of doing things rather than not accepting God's way, not accepting God's plan. Okay, that sounds like that, that, that's been an issue throughout all uh, of, of, of the lifespan throughout all of uh, uh, humanity here on earth, always wanting to do it their way instead of just following God's way. So although in these passages, Paul is addressing, the, uh, addressing Israel, please know that he is also speaking us to us today. Uh, my pastor from Illinois, uh, Reverend Marvin Hightower, one thing he always says is, and this was my pastor from when I, when I uh, lived in my birth state of Illinois, he says, the Bible was not written uh, to us, but the Bible was written for us. And it's all inclusive. It's for all of us. Amen. So believers of God, who have an enthusiasm for God, they believe in God, but rather they're following, uh, rather than following his plan, many are misguided even today by religious practices that are created by others. Thinking that your works or your actions is what will reconcile your relationship with God. God's plan of salvation is the gospel. It's the good news, the message of Jesus Christ, who is the component to reconciling our relationship back to our creator, amen? Religion is following rules and practices that, by the way, is impossible for man to keep. It's impossible for man in our own likeness, in our own nature to complete without God without the Holy Spirit. So to make it simple, religion is self-care rather than God care. It's self-esteem rather than God esteem. Self-confidence rather than God confidence. Self-independence rather than God independence relying on your own actions or behaviors or rituals rather than the actions of Jesus Christ and the benefits that his actions 
bring. Amen? Hope you're following me. So let's, we're going to read uh, verse, the first four verses of Romans 10. We're going to read it first from the New King James Version, and then we're going to read it from the NLT. And it says this, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Now, remember, he's talking to all of us, not just Israel. God desires that all men should be saved. Okay, verse two, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Three, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness. Righteousness uh, uh, meaning uh, uh, righteousness is a, a way principles of God. So rather than uh, they're ignoring God's way of doing things, and establishing their own way of doing things. It says, have, they have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So let's look at that from the NLT. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law, by doing rituals, following rules, following religious practices. Verse four, for Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. And as a result, all who believe in him, meaning Christ, are made right with God. So <clears throat> under the law, it was man's actions that determined his relationship with God in order to be right with God. So um, here's the thing, we, we talked about how the old, covenant always points to the new. The old is earthly, the new is the spiritual. So under the law, in order to be right with God, you would have to keep, man would have to keep every single one of God's laws. You break one, you've broken them all, just one. Now there were a total of 600 laws that God gave to Israel. However, even if you just look at the 10 Mosaic laws, we call them today the 10 commandments, just looking at the 10, no human being on their own could keep every single one of them. Nope, let's look at that real quickly. Number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. So that means if you're serving anything other than God, serving your possessions, Anything that you're putting before God, your spouse, children, money, possessions, job, careers, whatever, anything that you're putting before God, you've broken the law. You, you broke the commandment number one. Two, thou shalt not make anything any graven image. Well, you know what? That ties together with number one. 
Because nine times out of 10, if you're putting something else before God, meaning serving him, what's happening is you're idolizing that situation. Sometimes people idolize celebrities. So any form of idolatry, whether it's possessions, money, influence, other people, you've broken that law, that commandment. Number three, thou shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Now, a lot of people have quoted this scripture. I grew up listening to this as well. They thought it was meaning that like if you curse using the Lord's name, you know, God, mm, that that's taking the Lord's name in vain. That's not what that commandment is talking about. What this commandment, thou shalt not take the Lord of the, the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Vain means no value uh, or no purpose. So to take the Lord's name in vain means that you take the name of God and, 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 and to you it has no value. You don't value it. Uh, you don't find any purpose in the name of God. And we all know that you trust what you value, right? So you give God of no, it's as if he is of no account. Amen. You're not consulting him in your daily living. He's of no account. That is taking the, the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Many have broken that commandment. Four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The ability to rest. Now, under the old covenant, the Sabbath day was a way to rest from one's labor. Didn't do any work, that sort of thing. Similar to what God did on the seventh day. Pointing to the spiritual, which the old always does, the Sabbath is an eternal Sabbath. It's an everyday Sabbath, the ability to rest spiritually. Um, and we're going to talk more about that a little later on. Verse five, is, and, and basically what that's saying is the ability to rest without worry. Okay. Commandment five, thou shalt not kill. Six, honor thy mother and thy father. Seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. And this isn't just for, speaking just for adultery only. This commandment is for all immoral sexual acts, including fornication, including homosexuality, sex with animals. Yeah, if, if you want more details about that, the entire list and explanation is given in Leviticus, the 20th chapter, verses 10 through 21. Some are struggling with uh, those issues. We've all missed, well, I shouldn't say we've all, <coughs> we've missed the mark in following that commandment. Commandment eight, thou shall not steal. Number nine, <coughs> excuse me. Thou shall not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Everyone is your neighbor. It's not talking about like a neighbor next door. So if you've ever lied against, uh, to, um, told a lie on anyone, you've missed the mark. And then number 10 says, thou shall not covet. Wishing and wanting what someone else has. And this one is especially common today because in the area of social media and what we call influencers, a lot of celebrities, different people like that are influencers. People are looking at other people's lifestyles, uh, 
uh, people are looking at their friends and families lifestyles on social media. And many people get depressed because they're wondering why they can't have what these that's coveting. Amen. Again, all of those commandments, if you miss just one under the law, you've broken them all. All right. So we can agree that we all have fallen short of keeping all of these commandments. Amen. But remember, the purpose of the law was not to reconcile us back to God. It wasn't to save us. The purpose of the law was to show us as human beings that we could not live, we can never live up to God's standards on our own, in our own earthly selves. The purpose of the law was to get us ready to receive the Messiah. So how does that tie in? Because you cannot receive help if you don't recognize that you need help. You got to first recognize, you know, I need some help. And then when you recognize it, you'll go, you'll be able to seek and receive help. Amen. So that was the purpose of the law to let us know, I need some help. I have a zeal, I'm excited about God, but I can never fulfill all of the, the standards he requires. I need some help. That's what the purpose of the law was for. The law, listen to this carefully, was about achieving recon reconciliation, but the message of Jesus Christ is about receiving reconciliation. To achieve something, you have to consistently work at it. But to receive something, you simply accept it graciously. Amen? All right, so we're going to go down still in chapter 10 of Romans. We're going to look at verses 5 through 7. I'm going to read it first from the NLT, and then I'm going to read it from the message verse because it really makes it more uh, very clear. So verse 5 in NLT, it says, for Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of his commandments. Now, let's read verse five in the message verses, version. It says, Moses wrote that anyone who insists on using the law code to live right before God soon discovers it's not easy because every detail of life is regulated by fine print or rules. With me? So let's read verse six from the NLT. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. Verse seven says, and don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this verse many years ago, I was like, I just couldn't pinpoint exactly what it was saying. Thank God for, and the Holy Spirit for help and revelation knowledge. But let's look at it first in uh, verse six and seven in the message version. Then we're going to break down exactly what, what that verse is saying. Verse six says, but trusting God to shape the right living in us is a different story. It's different than following rules. 
There's no precarious climb up to heaven to recruit the Messiah. There's no dangerous descent into hell to rescue the Messiah. So what is verse six saying? What he's saying is by trusting and relying on the Father to transform us and to transform right living in us, we no longer need to achieve the impossible. Because it's impossible for a, a, man, a human being wasn't the one that went to heaven and brought Jesus to earth. That's what that verse says, who will go up to heaven and bring Christ down to earth. There was no human being that did that. And when Christ died, you know, we all know that when you die, uh, verse, uh, uh, you're either going one or two places, hell or heaven. And for Jesus, when he died on the cross, because he took on all of our sins, he went to hell. But the scripture says that God raised him from the dead. He snatched him and rescued him out of hell. It wasn't a human being that rescued Jesus out of hell. So that's what that scripture saying, who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back. So it's, what it's saying is, it's impossible for man. Man didn't do any of those things. It was Jesus. It was, it was God himself who came down in the flesh in the form of Jesus. It was God himself who raised Jesus from the dead. So it would have been, so that's why it says, by trusting God to shape the right living in us is a different story, meaning we don't have to try to work on rules that are impossible for us to uh, complete, that is impossible for us to follow. We don't have to work, we don't have to work at it. We just simply need to receive under this new covenant. Just receive uh, the gift of salvation. Amen? So simply put, while it is hard to achieve right living through works or keeping laws and rules, matter of fact, it's impossible to do, However, simple, simply trusting that God has the ability to shape and mold the right living in us is easy. And his yoke and ways are light. Amen? Just trusting him to do the change. The same way he had the, the power to raise up Christ from the dead, he has the same power to work on the inside of us and change us. Amen. So how easy is God's way? And what does that look like? That's what we're going to talk about next. So we're still in Romans, the 10th chapter. We're going to look at verses 8 through 10. We're going to read it first from the NLT, and then we're going to read it from the message verses. So verse 8 says, in fact, this is from NLT. It says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. 
And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So let's look, read this from the message version. Verses 8 through 10. The word that saves is right here. As near as the tongue in your mouth and as close as the heart in your chest. It's the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work and set things right for us. This is the core of our preaching. Say the welcoming word to God. Jesus is my master, embracing it with body and soul. God's work, not your work. God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead, he can do for us. That's it. You and I are not doing anything. We're not performing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting and relying on him to do it for you. That's salvation, everybody. Trusting God's ability and power to change us through our faith. See, when you trust and rely on his power, that means you have faith in him. You have confidence in him. And that's all he wants. He wants the family that he is bringing into himself to have complete confidence in him. That's what he wants. And when you do, while we're here on earth, he says, I will save you. I will, I, 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 I will rescue you from harm. I will, I will preserve you while you're still living in this foreign land called earth. That's salvation. With your whole being, you embrace God, setting things right. And then you say it right out loud. God has set everything right between him and me. So you're believing it in your heart, but you're open, willing to openly confess it as well. Amen? So let's look at uh, believing in your heart versus believing in your mind. Because there's a lot of people that believe in God, you know, just like what he was saying in the earlier verses, have a zeal from God, excited about God, but they have a misguided uh, faith issue. So we see then that faith is believing the truth with the heart as opposed to believing it with your intellect. The definition of faith, um, when I Google searched it, is complete trust and confidence in someone or something. So what God is saying is, have complete trust and confidence in me, your creator. Trust me. If I can create you, if I can create everything that you see on this earth, if I can raise God, Jesus from the dead, why don't you trust me to act on your behalf? What, where's your confidence in me? Have complete confidence and trust. Here's what God's saying. Have complete confidence and trust that my plan of salvation that I created before I even created you involves me, your God, your creator, coming to earth in the form of a man. Now that version of myself, I named Jesus and I gave him the title 
of my son. But don't doubt, it's me, your God. Hallelujah. We're one in the same. I want you to have confidence, is what he's saying, that my plan of salvation through Jesus, through his death, his blood sacrifice, through the resurrection is the path to your reconciliation back to me, your God. Where's your confidence in me? Where's your trust in me? To trust God in the heart is to receive and accept his plan for our salvation. God is telling us to have complete trust and confidence in what Jesus did on Calvary and then openly proclaim it with your mouth. This is salvation. So now here's the next question. What comes next after salvation? Well, we're going to look at Colossians, the second chapter, and we're going to look at verse six. And we're going to read it from the New King James Version first, and then we're going to come back and read it from the Message Version. What comes next after salvation? So verse six says, <clears throat> as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. The message version says, you received Christ Jesus, the master, now live him. It, it, it goes on to say, school's out. Quit studying so much studying the subject about me and start living me. And then let your living spill over to Thanksgiving. Hallelujah. So what's he saying here? He's saying, after I have saved you, after you have, after because of your faith and your confidence in me um, and, and, and your confidence in my plan for delivering you through Jesus, and now that you have openly proclaimed it, you are mine. You are saved under grace. I, I count your faith as righteousness. So what comes next? You need to start living me. I want to, it's time now for you to transform, transformation to take place so that you begin to look like me. And doesn't mean physical likeness, your attributes, your character, your personality. Amen? So what does living it or walking in him, what does that look like here on earth? Well, it looks like this. Because I know a lot of people think, you know, once I'm saved now, let me go, I gotta, let me go to church, let me go, maybe sing in the choir, let me, let me, um, you know, let me play for the choir, you know, let me start to do works, let me go visit the sick, and nothing's wrong with any of those things. But this is where you start. This is where you're going to start. And I pray you get this because it, I feel like after I got saved at the age of 15, I surfed, I walked in the wilderness for 40 years. It took me till I was 55 to truly get this. And had I gotten it earlier, many of the troubles that I experienced in my life, I would not have experienced. 
So I want to spare you that 40 years in the wilderness. Amen. So here's what comes next after salvation, walking in him. And here is what that looks like. Because I have so much confidence in God and trust in what Jesus did on Calvary and believe that God raised him from the dead, I now confidently rely and I consult him regularly in my daily living. I don't make any decisions or choices without hearing from him. You know, the scripture in Proverbs, it talks about in all thy ways, acknowledge him and I will direct it. Lean, it says, trust in the Lord. This is the perfect scripture for, for what he's talking about, what comes next, walking in him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. Don't lean on your own way of think, doing things. Don't lean on trying to figure things out when stuff comes up yourself. But in all thy ways, in meaning in every matter, consult him and what is it? I will direct your path. So for me, took me till I was 55 to get this. I make no decisions or choices without hearing from him. No matter how simple or difficult, he is my counsel in every matter of my life. I trust him for provision, trust him for protection. I trust him on all financial matters, consult him on everything. I trust and rely on him for good sleep at night. I trust him even during the hard times. And yes, even as a born again Christian, you're gonna face some challenges, amen? A lot of them is to help to, to grow you up, to mature you in the Lord. But some of them are brought on because you're not doing exactly what I'm talking about right now. You're doing it your way instead of following his way. And the thing about trusting him, even when the times are hard, you have so much confidence in him that you know because his word says he'll work it out for your good. I, I have confidence in that. So therefore, you're able to endure those hard times. I trust him, not me, him to transform me with new desires that will be pleasing to him. I trust and rely on him to enlighten me with his wisdom so that I can fulfill his call or the call that he gave to me on my life to teach his message. I trust and rely on him to teach me how to love others, to teach me how to walk in him. Amen. And as a result of this type of trust and reliance on God, here's what happens. My desires, my actions, and my behaviors change. My focus changes. I begin to see things here on earth from a God point of view rather than a Cynthia point of view. The Holy Spirit guides me to my purposed work and then good fruit is produced. So it doesn't mean that you don't do any good works, but we get the works that we do. That comes from the Holy Spirit telling us what to do. Amen? So here's the next phase. What is the evidence of this type of daily reliance and trust. Here's the true evidence. 
the ability to rest. Meaning, not I'm not talking about rest like from a work or anything like that. I'm talking about that spiritual rest of not worrying. Uh, the ability to have peace, even in the middle of chaotic circumstances. And guess what? The ability to have no fear. These, this is the evidence of that confidence and daily reliance on God. The ability to rest peacefully while waiting for guidance from the Holy Spirit. You know, like I said before, things come up, challenges happen. We live here on earth. So many things that are going on that are against what God's standards are. So the ability to rest confidently knowing that God has your back and that whatever is happening around you or to you, it's going to work out for your good. That's the confidence. That's faith, having the confidence in who God is and his plan and, and, and knowing who you are in him. Amen. It's the ability, here you go, to never worry again about anything. Hallelujah. No fear. And I praise God that I have finally reached this stage in my salvation journey of being able to completely rest in him, no matter what's going on, no matter what's coming up. Uh, I, I, within the last year to actually get to a place of no fear, no worrying about everything, anything. Doesn't mean everything's perfect in my life because it's not, stuff still comes up. Life is enjoyable. This type of living, it's freedom. I'm in a place of eternal joy and thankfulness right here on earth, this foreign country, this foreign land. Most of the times, my issues or challenges are actually resolved while I'm peacefully resting and waiting on the Holy Spirit to guide me on what to do. So here's an example. I'm going to give you a real life example, something that I recently experienced. Now, uh, many of you know that I retired two years ago. Um, I was self-employed, had my own company, and I retired uh, two years ago in 2020. So uh, January 1st is my, was my first day of retirement. So anyway, just this year, I received a letter from the IRS stating that I owed back taxes from 2016, 2017, and 2018. Now, I've always, I always pay my taxes every year. But according to them, I hadn't paid enough for those three years. And the total they said that I owed was pretty astronomical. I, I didn't have the surplus to pay, and I didn't understand how I could possibly owe that much. And dealing with IRS, I knew it wasn't a scam. For those of you who said, was it a scam? Nope, it wasn't a scam. I, 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 you know, being a business owner and paying taxes regularly, I recognized that the letter was a legitimate letter. But let me tell you here, the old self-reliant Cynthia, I would have immediately become fearful. I would have become panicky. Uh, I would have started looking for those years tax returns on my computer and, 
and I, I would have been calling the IRS to dispute the claim and find out what's going on. Trust me, I, I would have been freaking out. Yeah. But instead, this time, living and walking in him in complete confidence in him, the new God confident me immediately pray to God for guidance. I knew that if I did owe that amount, I knew that God would make a way. So I pray, Lord, show me what to do. Should I call them? Do I need to set up a payment plan with them? But I can tell you one thing, there was absolutely no fear. There was no panic. And after praying, I rested and I simply waited to hear from God. I went on about my life. I went on about my day, my, the weeks, knowing that he would tell me what to do and that he would work it for my good. So I, I, I rested. I just, I, I, I waited on him in confidence. Well, here's the good news. While I was still waiting on his guidance, a few weeks later, I received another letter from the IRS stating that they had made an error stating that I did not owe any back taxes and they apologized in the letter for any inconvenience the error may have brought me. Hallelujah, praise God. God is faithful and he's good. If he can raise Jesus from the dead, if he can create all that we see, surely he can work out a little situation with the IRS and any of your problems too. But you gotta have confidence and trust in him. He loves that more than anything. That's what he wants from his people is to trust him. I didn't do, have to do anything. I didn't have to pick up the phone and call him, ask for a payment plan. I have to do nothing. All I did was waited on him confidently and I didn't worry about it. He did it all. That's what it looks like to walk in him. I hope you're getting this because this will spare you years of hardship if you get this. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and this is, that's just one of many situations that he's worked out for me like that. Amen. And he can do the same for you. He will do the same for you. Amen. Now, an unbeliever cannot have this type of rest. But then too, many believers don't have this type of rest either. I at one time as a believer didn't have this type of rest, meaning I didn't have that type of confidence in God. There is nothing more frustrating to, than to know the truth with your intellect and yet not be able to walk in it. And the reason for this is you do not believe it with the heart. And that's why he says, if you believe in your heart, because when you believe in your heart, you'll have so much confidence in him that you'll walk in him, walk in him, just like I just described. We see this played out in many different ways. For example, most believers would say that they believe that God would never forsake them and yet find themselves feeling alone, 
crying and asking, where are you, God? Most believers can quote the Bible passage that says, my God will supply all your needs, which is in Philippians 4.19, but yet they still worry over their finances. There's a disconnect there. You see it? Heart belief, which is faith, supersedes what we believe with our intellect. The truth is expressed in Ephesians 3.19 that encourages us, us to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Meaning we can intellect, intellectually know all about the love of Christ and yet, yet not know this truth in our heart. Because love and fear cannot coexist. Mm -mm. If I feel afraid, then that means I do not believe in my heart that God loves me perfectly. Since there is no fear in love. Amen? But perfect love casts out fear. That perfect love means I, I grasp that his love is so perfect toward me that I can have confidence and trust him, that he always has my back. And so when fear is in place, that means you lack confidence in God. To feel afraid brings into question God's love for you. So when you're fearful and worrisome and panicking when things come up, that question, you're questioning God's love for you as a believer. How can you feel afraid if you know from the heart that God loves you? If you are feeling afraid or fear, this is evidence that you are lacking complete confidence and trust in who God is and his love for you. There is a disconnect with your heart belief, a disconnect with your faith. So this is the time when that occurs to truly pray to God, to enlighten the eyes of your heart, to know his love, the truth of Jesus Christ, and to rely on God's plan for salvation for you. So to close tonight, we're going to look at Romans 10 chapter still, verse 11 through 13. I'm going to read this from the message version. It gives us a promise from God for anyone who has this type of God confidence in his plan of salvation that I just talked about. And here's what verses 11 through 13 says. No one who trusts God like this, heart and soul, will ever regret it. Hallelujah. I know that's right. It's exactly the same no matter what a person's religious background may be, the same God for all of us, acting the same incredibly generous way to everyone who calls out for help. Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus gets help, will be saved. Hallelujah. Let's pray, everybody. Father God, we thank you and we glorify you. We worship you. We rest in you. We know you. We have confidence in your love for us. 
because you loved us, we love you. We thank you, dear Holy Spirit, for giving us the ability to confidently rest that God has our back. Pray for those listening tonight, Lord. Anyone that's going through anything, I pray that your message that has been delivered tonight goes out and doesn't return void and that they renew their confidence in who you are and just trust you and watch you go to work. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. We give you all the glory and the honor and the praise because it's not something that we could ever take credit for ourselves because it's all about you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now listen, if you're here tonight or if you're listening to this message and you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, you have not um, accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, this is the time to do so. And if you choose to do so tonight, just, just repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, I trust your plan of salvation because I trust you. I accept that Jesus, my Savior, died for me and that you raised him from the dead. And moving forward, I would declare this message out loud. In Jesus' name, thank you for saving me. Hallelujah. Welcome to the family of God. You are born again. You are Christian. You are saved. You have been reconciled back to God. And so if you said that prayer with me tonight, send me an email to the good news from Cynthia, C-Y-N-T-H-I-A, at gmail.com. And I'm going to send you some material that will help uh, push you along in your new Christian journey. So now it's simply time to walk in, in Him. And what that entails, trust Him, rely on Him. And, the, and if you read Romans 10, it talks about how you can't hear without a preacher and a preacher can't preach or teach unless they've been sent. Amen. So now it's also time to get some more uh, knowledge about who God is and to form a good relationship with his word. And you need a teacher preacher of God um, to do that. So pray and ask God for the right church, the church that you're meant um, to be at the the teacher the preacher uh, that's sent by God the right one for you to be under amen that's very very important God bless you guys so much I love you love you love you I pray that this message has been a blessing to you all um, listen have a great evening tonight have a great weekend Enjoy your family. Enjoy your life as a born-again Christian. Yeah, you know, rest in them. 
and, and he, he wants us to, he says he came that we might have life more abundantly. So he wants us to, to enjoy life, amen? So I encourage you to do that. Praise God. Um, I guess that's it, everybody. Listen, we'll be back in two weeks, the fourth Thursday in this month of May. Wow, we're in May already. Uh, summer is up on us, hallelujah. So God bless you. I love you. Good night, everybody.